Cyclone. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is technology news. This is from petapixel.com, which I think we've had before. But, yeah, that sounds familiar. Um, the headline is, Amazon wants you to test its Ring flying indoor drone camera. What? <laughs> wait, wait, it's a... <laughs> It's, it's a flying It's an in-home drone, drone in your house? camera. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll show you a picture of it. It okay. might make it make... Actually, I'm going to do that now because it might make this all make more sense. Okay. Or not. No, it's fine. I'm just, just my facial expression. But it goes around... It doesn't just stay in one spot. No. It flies around It flies your around your house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. right. Okay. So, um, so they first announced this uh, Ring Always Home Cam, which is an interesting name, uh, almost a year ago during its 2020 hardware event. But today, it confirmed that the product is real and can be purchased, uh, <laughs> though currently only by invitation, which is also kind of strange. Hmm. Uh, so, the camera—it's a small camera attached to a drone that works with the Ring network. Rather than being required to set up multiple cameras all around a home so that every angle can be captured, the home cam instead allows users to take a tour of the house through the flying indoor camera. So basically the idea is it's like, oh no, something's happening at my house. Send the camera to the kitchen and it will like fly out of its little dock and like go on a predetermined path around the kitchen. And like okay. you can see if something's going on in your kitchen, I guess. Um so they say it's navigated or it's equipped with navigation sensors so that I can navigate the home without crashing, which is good. <laughs> uh, it can't be like manually flown, but it is instead commanded to fly on predetermined paths, which I caught, thought was kind of interesting. Oh. Um, it also can't yet navigate stairs. Uh, so I guess you have to have one for each floor. <laughs> so of it your home. goes on one floor. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and it also has a very short battery life of about five minutes. Oh, so what? you can't like have it do a full sweep of your house or like be constantly patrolling or anything. Um, it's more meant to be like, like I said, like go to the kitchen, take a look around and then fly back to the dock and recharge. It sounds like it's of limited use. Honestly. <laughs> the listeners cannot see my face right now, but I'm just kind of like it's sitting kind of here with like my expression. mouth open. Like, um, Cause I'm trying really hard to think Alex of why. Alex is unimpressed. <laughs> I, I was really hoping this thing could be like customizable, programmed, and like I think like, it is to, customizable. To fly like, at an intruder, like <laughs> and like say like warning intruder, and yeah. like a fly and start at it, beeping or something faster and, start, and faster, and then explode. Yeah, um, but it sounds like it doesn't do that. No, so I'm disappointed. I, mean, I guess theoretically, you could just have like pads for all the places in your house, and like it'd still be probably pretty scary to see like a drone coming at you <laughs> as a home invader, like. <laughs> flying towards you. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Um, so it's able to stream and record video in full HD, 1080p. So that's pretty nice. Um, right. It might also exp- explain the battery life. Uh, that's watchable uh, via the Ring app. It can be triggered by an alarm sensor or manually through the app. Uh, the camera unit itself is blocked when it's not in use. 
So that also means you don't have a set of cameras watching everyone in the house all the time. You just have it when you need it, which is also kind of nice from like a security yeah, standpoint. Like you're not sense. worried about this thing flying around and <laughs> looking at you, <laughs> and just I guess. Watching yeah, I don't you know. all the time. Yeah, which would be pretty creepy. Um Yeah. I thought it was okay. an interesting new piece of technology. Yeah. It uh, is. The idea of like in home drones is pretty new, I think. Yeah, I've so, not, I've not heard about anything like that before now. Yeah. Um and it seems like it has a lot of obvious places where it could be improved battery life, like being able to manually control it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but the plan, like the determined paths probably make it easier to deal with the battery situation. Because yeah. you know, like it can't go more than this far. Mm-hmm. Plus it like makes it less likely to run into things because it, it has a it knows where it's supposed to right. go. Um but yeah. Yeah. I don't think oh. I would use one, but uh it seems pretty cool. It's an interesting idea for sure. Yeah, and better than having to have like a million cameras in your house. Yes. If for some reason you feel the need to yeah. do that. <laughs> what do you have in your house? <laughs> I actually like know of some people that had a business in their house and then therefore had like a bunch of security oh, okay. cameras yeah, like that. that so sense. that's the, uh, that's a legitimate it's reason. It's like I live in the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my foyer is is literally an art museum, so I need a lot of security. Yeah. The, this probably wouldn't cut it for something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'd have something else. Yeah, they might have a more advanced okay. system. Okay, my first story is animal news. <laughs> this is from UPI.com. And the headline is, Bird species increased in urban areas during human lockdowns for the pandemic. Yay. Fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> more birds. More birds. We love birds, right? Yeah. Uh, New research shows that the pandemic lockdowns caused certain bird populations to increase in North America, including eagles and hummingbirds. Across the United States and Canada, birders documented an 80% increase among most of the species they were studying since the start of the pandemic restrictions last year. Yeah, isn't that a lot? That's a ton. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of birds. So the effect seems to be caused by just... The reductions in traffic, air pollution, and noise. So that, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, and like of those three things, I, I actually well from just other stuff I've seen and read, I think like the noise is actually what distri- what uh, disturbs wildlife more more even than just like traffic and stuff. Like because yeah. people are still driving cars and things in the lockdowns, um, but like no, I don't know, human noise pollution like disrupts yeah, think, all sorts of like ecosystems and stuff. Um, so yeah. Uh, okay. But interestingly, they also noticed that some species decreased in certain areas in response to the, this also, um, which suggests that some birds and they mentioned red tailed hawks as an example, have adapted to some types of human disturbances. So they like are used to it and that change actually caused the population to decrease, (laughs) which was just an interesting observation. Yeah. That's. (laughs) That is interesting. Um, they, they evolved too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pull it back a be couple. Be careful what you evolve to, yeah. birds. <laughs> so we said, be, <laughs> be careful what you evolve into. You just might get it. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so this, uh, it, this report was published in Science Advances. All right. So if you're really interested in bird populations, you can go read more about it in that journal. <laughs> Great. 
My next story is space news. This is from Salon.com. The giant cyclone in Jupiter's great red spot is speeding up. What? <laughs> you know oh. the you know the red spot. Yeah, I know the red spot. It's going faster. <laughs> oh. Um. How is that possible? Well, okay. Uh, so, you, well, I, I'll ask. I'll wait yeah, until ask that question. Spoiler: They don't know. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, unlike storms on Earth, Jupiter's storms last years or even centuries. Um, the gas giant's great red spot has existed for as long as humans have been observing Jupiter through telescopes, which was since 1665, meaning this storm has lasted for at least 356 years, which is a pretty long time. Yeah. Um, the ongoing storm in Jupiter's southern hemisphere consists of red clouds spinning nearly 400 miles per hour in a counterclockwise loop. So going very fast. Uh, the storm has changed in shape and size since it was first observed, and with recent technological advancements, scientists have been able to make more detailed observations about the storm's winds. Analysis of data from NASA's Hubble Space Telescope has revealed that the average wind speed within the outer boundaries of the storm have increased about 8% over the last 11 years, which amounts to an increase around of around 1.6 miles per hour per Earth year, which is quite a bit. I mean, in the space scale of things. Um, yeah. and the, fact that, the fact that it's continuously increasing at all is very strange. Um, so for context, a typical tropical cyclone on Earth can be as wide as 1,240 miles. Uh, the storm that comprises the Great Red Spot is nearly 9,941 miles in width. Wow. So it's pretty big. Uh, the speeds on Earth... Uh, for hurricanes on Earth, max out at about 190 miles per hour. Uh, so even like the fastest hurricane on Earth has gone like less than half as fast as this one is going at about like 400 miles per hour. Um, and according to Michael Wong, the lead researcher on the analysis, it's not clear what the increase in speed means since Hubble can't see anything below the cloud tops but it could lead to further understanding of what drives the Great Red Spot and how it's maintaining energy. So mm -hmm. they didn't say how it would help with that. But uh, yeah, so basically to answer your question from before, we don't know we don't why know. it's happening, what it means, anything about that. But we do know that it is increasing, and that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. I mean, there's something feeding it. Ener it's taking energy from somewhere. A different storm that's rotating <laughs> the other way. Another storm that we can't see. <laughs> Um, so I just looked up really quick how big across the United States is because I'm pretty sure it's way less than 9,000 miles. And I was right. It's approximately 3,000 miles across. Mm -hmm. So, so that storm is like three of the U.S. across. Yeah. It's quite large. That's <laughs> so huge. <laughs> also, wow. 400 mile per hour winds, it would just obliterate like the entire world. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't do well. No, on this planet, no, it would not. It would no. just polish the surface to like a marble. Like. It would polish the surface <laughs> to marble. It would just be a marble Earth. Yeah, which would be pretty cool. It's so pretty we looking. All We'd all be gone, but it would look so nice. <laughs> it would look really nice. You ha yeah, I have to agree with that. <laughs> it looks so classy. Okay, my next story is health news.
and this has nothing to do with coronavirus. So yeah. Hey. This is from EurekaAlert.org. The headline is, Intense workouts before bedtime won't guarantee a good night's rest, new research shows. So Okay, was that in doubt? Yeah, because oh. everyone says like exercising helps you sleep well. Oh, okay. I would just think working out right before bed is like going to increase your heart rate and like your body needs to like... Well, yes, okay, so what the... Like cool down, yes. like... Sorry. You're right. You're right. So that it just seems intuitive to me, like, I guess. Yes, I think it would be intuitive that like working out and then immediately going to bed is a bad idea. <laughs> I think that's intuitive. Um this research well, it was actually was a meta-analysis of 15 different studies, but they were saying that you actually need two hours of time. Oh wow. Before like after okay. you end any exercise before you go to sleep for that to be for your body to actually like get a good night's sleep okay that's less intuitive so that that is actually what the <laughs> sorry, no, sorry to just right. like come you're in right. hot just like, <laughs> ah. <laughs> you're like you're who's just, like going you're for like a run and the then just immediately like goes to bed <laughs> <laughs> hey maybe there's people out there that do that they think like oh exercise gives you a good night's sleep i'm just gonna like i don't know it just doesn't seem it doesn't like make it would. Yeah. And also like i don't want to go to bed all sweaty and gross yeah that would feel weird Ugh. Ugh. i feel weird now and i didn't even Okay. (laughs) So, yeah, so this was a meta-analysis. It was published in the journal Sleep Medicine. They looked at data from 15 different other papers and, like, compiled all of it and then looked at, um, like, intense exercise and how it affects um, both young and middle-aged healthy adults in the evening. And basically the overall (laughs) conclusion was you you need at least two hours before you go to bed. Otherwise, the exercise actually negatively impacts your sleep. Um, they found that it took longer for people to fall asleep. Sleep duration was decreased. And um, also, high-intensity exercise, regardless of the timing in the evening, contributed to a slight decrease in REM sleep for oh. people as well, which I thought was interesting because why? I don't know. But yeah. Um, that they found that across the board, but it was they said they said it was a slight decrease. So I don't know if it's oh, like okay. that significant, but like it, they saw something. I'm, um, I, I want as much REM as I can get. So yeah, no, REM's great. <laughs> I, I'll just continue not exercising um, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> this also found that cycling was the most beneficial type of exercise for sleep. So I, I should say, okay, I should. I, I don't think I stated this. Exercising in the evening if you have that two hour gap actually does like it, it makes your sleep, like your quality of sleep better overall. As long as you have the time, as long as you have that time buffer. Okay. And I guess they looked at like different types of exercising and for whatever reason, cycling specifically had like the most benefit. I don't know if that was just like a random fluke thing, but yeah, that's like, what how, they reported. How big was their, their sample size I don't specifically know. of cyclers here? <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know. <laughs> cyclists, I guess. That's how you know I'm not a cyclist. <laughs> Wait, why? What did you say? I said cycler. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. Um, yeah, I don't know, but that's just what they said. So, yeah. So, huh. two hours. If you're an All evening right. exerciser. Yeah. Which I am not. Which I am also not. So, do you exercise in the morning? Yeah, I exercise in the you morning. You exercise more than me. Like pretty I just er- do walks and then Pretty it. early in the morning. Like okay, so that's right probably... Right after I get out of bed. That probably doesn't affect your sleep at all. No. I, in fact, I think it helps me wake up. Or probably... Up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> My next story is technology news. 
This is from Ars Technica. Google Maps tracks global warming with new fire layer and tree canopy tool. Did you say fire layer? Fire layer. <laughs> oh, no. What is that? <laughs> it's a little worrying that we need it. Oh, um, so Google yeah, Maps is getting a few, new, a, a few new features to help people better understand our burning planet. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Their words, not mine, but also oh, mine. No. Um, the first. Oh my goodness! The first is a new fire layer in the main map view, which lets you view the exact boundaries of a wildfire. Uh, Google says the new fire layer will bring quote all of Google's wildfire information together in an easy interface. I. I am so sad that we need this. I know. I'm so upset I'm right laughing, now. I'm laughing because I'm very upset. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Me too. So they say wildfire oh. boundaries should be updated on an hourly basis, and Google says you'll be able to tap on a fire. <laughs> you'll be able to tap on a fire to see information from local governments like emergency websites, phone numbers for help and information, and evacuation details. When available, you can also see important details about the fire, such as its containment, how many acres have burned, and when all this information was last reported. And again, I'm laughing because I'm just because otherwise I'll cry. Like, it's so sad. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a good tool, but ugh. yeah, it does sound. Like, it sounds like a useful tool for sure. Uh, it's also I thought it was kind of interesting that they can even do this like that we have the technology to to track something like this hour yeah, by hour and that's true get that information out so that's just me trying to put a positive spin on this hmm. uh, the fire layout uh, or layer is rolling out to android this week with ios and desktop updates coming in october um which oh wait it's only on android but not on desktop or it's only going to be on android for now but they're going to roll them out this month okay as of recording this month, or as of not, as of release right. this you know, As of the release, is it going to be October? We'll, we'll In October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Google has also announced it's going to expand its tree canopy tool that it la- launched in 2020. Uh, this maps Google Maps tool combines Google's aerial imagery with computer vision AI to generate a map that shows tree cover in cities. Um, and the announced expansion will increase the tree canopy imagery from 15 cities to 100 cities worldwide. So basically, it's it like uses the map data to determine how much of a city has tree coverage, which is supposed like they there's theories that like lack of shade from trees is part of the reason that cities tend to be like a few degrees warmer than their surrounding areas. Oh, um, so this is kind of a tool to like track how well cities are doing with that. Okay, yeah, I was going to ask, like, why would I, as an average citizen, I don't want to use that? <laughs> most average citizens are going to. But, okay, um, it could be I mean, like a neat. useful tool, I think, for like city planners and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, yeah, for, for example, sure. this is LA's coverage, where darker green Ooh. is more trees. So yeah, they could use some more trees. They could in LA. use some more trees, whereas like Austin is actually doing quite well. Ooh, yeah, that um, they look good. Chicago is not. <laughs> <laughs> um. What is this? Oh, Louisville. Oh, they have a lot of trees in Louisville. Yeah. So I just thought that that, that one's more interesting than doom, doomy. The fire one's pretty doomy. But that is actually is super useful, like if you're in a zone where you oh, are at risk of that. like, Or if you're considering traveling around a oh, zone yeah, that's at that's risk true of that, too. too. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, I can't go to this wildfire or... I can't. <laughs> I can't go to this national park because it's on fire right now. For example, 
Okay, my next story is archaeology news. This is from the BBC.com. The headline is Australian researchers uncover fossil of new eagle species. Oh. Cool. It's always weird to me when we find like fossils of modern day type animals. It's like, wait a second, how recent were you? <laughs> 25 million years ago. Oh, so not recent at all. <laughs> so okay, never mind. Not super recent. <laughs> yeah, so uh, these Australian scientists have uncovered this fossil of a previously unknown species of eagle. And it lived during the Oligocene period. Dozens of bone fragments were uncovered in a dry lake, actually back in 2016, but a new study that's been published says that the skeletal remains were of the Archihyrax sylvestris, or ancient hawk of the forest (laughs) species. Ancient hawk of the forest. A new species. Okay. Uh, scientists believe this ancient raptor species survived on prey, including other birds, possums, and koalas, because they were in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> they, the eagle, they think the eagle adapted to hunting and flying within forests, because there was a lot of forests at that time, um, with short, robust wings and long legs. Although the picture doesn't, the picture doesn't make their wings look short. This looks like a huge eagle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll show you the picture in a second. Um, apparently, it's rare to find even one bone from a fossilized eagle due to their small numbers during this period. So it's like really, this was a really rare find, and they found most of the skeleton. So oh wow, yeah. yeah plus, like bird bones are hollow, so they're probably really and hard small. to preserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, multiple reasons, but yeah, they found almost a whole skeleton in this thing. So wow, here's their picture. I call it the hunchback eagle. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he kind of looks like he's sad, but like does he's he look sad? You think he, he looks just sad? Kind of like hunching over. Yeah, he's kind of like meh. Yeah, but yeah, this other one in the back, I was like, oh, that's what short wings looks like. He's <laughs> gonna say it looks like a regular eagle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but <laughs> it's a prehistoric eagle. That's cool. Not, not every day you find one of those, right? All right, it's time for Breaking News, the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Still got that ice cream. (laughs) Oh, no. Ready, set, go! Go! (laughs) All right, so I found, like, a couple of semi-related stories on UPI that just both made me laugh so i'm gonna see okay. what they're both right. they're both about sculptures and that's okay. where the similarities end um so the first one is giant tooth sculpture made from toothbrushes earns world record <laughs> <laughs> whoa they just made a giant sculpture of a tooth out of toothbrushes um it's pharmaceutical firm <laughs> dr so ready's tall. laboratory has received a guinness world record after using about eighty thousand toothbrushes to create a sculpture of a giant tooth um, the sculpture is about 40 feet tall. That's fun. Um, and they, uh, the Guinness World Records confirmed the finished work is the world's largest toothbrush sculpture of a body part. So, <laughs> That's what the record is. Sure. Um, but yeah, they said that the sculpture will remain on display for about a year and then the materials will be recycled. So if you're worried about waste, don't. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Um, <laughs> That's good. So then this... The second sculpture-related story 
The headline is Sculpture of Humpty Dumpty on a Toilet Stolen in Wisconsin. What? <laughs> Wait, show me that again. It's like a bronze sculpture of like the egg Humpty Dumpty sitting on a toilet. <laughs> He's sitting on a toilet with a book and also his facial expression is like His face is very human not, and it's not uh he doesn't look not like having a good time. Yeah, he doesn't look like he's having a good time. <laughs> um, police in Wisconsin are, are attempting to locate a $1,400 bronze sculpture oh my God. of Humpty Dumpty sitting on the toilet. <laughs> the ma- Wait, this is the best part. Uh, the Madison Police Department said the sculpture, which is named... Oh, no. Dumpty Humpty. <laughs> Dumpty Humpty. It's brilliant. Um, so the, they said the sculpture <laughs> was stolen from an art fair on the square, which must be a thing in Madison. Um, they, the vendor said that they had seen two men lingering around her booth while she was setting up on Saturday, and the sculpture vanished along with the men when she left the stand for a short time. So pretty suspicious. <laughs> um, and they found security footage of the two men described by the vendor leaving the area with the sculpture. So hopefully they'll catch this person. <laughs> what a thing to to steal also I mean, like hey, if it's worth $1400. <laughs> yeah, I guess. How big is it? Is there anything like for scale? Do we know? Ah, uh, they didn't say. I'm just wondering if that's like is it like a small tabletop sculpture or is it like a life size like a toilet? Now like, I really want to know. I'm see if I yeah. search for Dumpty Humpty. It's <laughs> such a great Dumpty Humpty. I can't stop laughing at that. Oh, Google, oh no, gosh. that's not what I... I don't want Humpty Dumpty. I want Dumpty Humpty. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps autocorrecting you. Yeah, I guess it is just Humpty Dumpty backwards, so... Anyway. <laughs> okay, well, we don't know. We don't yeah, know how big it is. We don't is. know how big it is. That's Sorry. Okay. But, yeah, so... Two stories for the price of one this week. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my breaking news is a quick update on the latest Jeopardy champ. Have you... Been watching Jeopardy lately? I have not, no. Well, there's this guy, Matt Amodio, who is winning a ton of money and stuff and is still going strong. Okay. And he's won over 30 episodes. Oh, wow. And he's broken over a million dollars in winnings. And he's now the third be- like best player after... Well, Ken Jennings was the number one person. Mm-hmm. And then... I don't actually remember now. I don't know who the number two person is, but oh, here it is. James Holtzhauer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's in number, uh, third place. And as of today, cause this is a daily updating situation. <laughs> his winnings are, um, 1 million, about 1 million, $100,000. Wow. About. So yeah. So he's like, he's up there with the, with the big guys. <laughs> Yeah. And his next, yeah, I guess his next milestone is to get to the level that James did. So James had $2,462,000 in winnings. So he still has a little way to go. So he has to like basically double (laughs) his winnings to get to level two, but still. Yeah. But then Ken Jennings, not too far after that. So yeah. Like the other two are like very similar levels. So wow. 
what a cool way to just like make over a million dollars though, right? just like answering questions on a quiz show. That's so cool. <laughs> I, I wish I could just do it's that. Just like, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever tried out for Jeopardy? No, but I would not do well. You don't think you would do well? I don't think I would. Do Do you ever watch it? Sometimes. No, not not like often. Okay. But I've, yeah, I've, yeah, I've seen it. Like when you watch it, do you know the answers to things or not really? No. Yeah, because, <laughs> because then I guess that, that's your kind of gauge, right? Yeah. Like, are you watching it and you're like, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. No. No, I don't think I would make it. I, I'm like, I definitely know some of the answers to the questions. Like, oh, yeah, It's not like for sure. none, but. I'd have to like actually there. study a bunch of stuff probably to, to feel like I had a that's, good shot. That's the thing with Jeopardy is how do you study for Jeopardy? Like you, you have can't to study really. everything. You can't really study for that show. It just yeah. it's so all over the place. Don't it's focus like, too much on math, and I think you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes they have math stuff, but yeah, not, and also not I usually. guess like they they the have a lot of things about like literature and stuff comes in, like literature and films, mm-hmm. like knowing two weak spots for me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> already not doing so good. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Um, it's fun to watch. I don't know. I enjoy watching. I don't watch it all the time, but I watch it sometimes. But when one there's the, like a guy like this, I like following it. It's like, oh, are they going to like make it up there? Yeah. So. One of my favorite things is when they have a video game related category because it's always so easy. <laughs> like it's well, always. Because you I'm, know video well, games. Well, not even. But I, I don't know. I feel like it's anybody with like a tangential knowledge of video games would be able to get a lot of like the questions. They just make them so simple because they have to assume like they're not like broad, like general oh, knowledge. Oh, okay. I think. So they just always end up being so simple, and I always like see the I always see them on like gaming websites where they're just like Jeopardy had video games again, and it was <laughs> extremely easy. <laughs> like, yeah, that's funny. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.